You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network. This is Turn Knowledge to Profit, where entrepreneurs like you find the insights, experience, and tools they need to earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live a life others only dream of. Now, here are your hosts for Turn Knowledge to Profit, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors, Janelle and Michael McCauley. Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Turn Knowledge to Profit. I'm Janelle McCauley, and along with my co-host, Michael, each week we bring you the insights, ideas, and tools that you need to earn more, make a bigger impact, and create the freedom to live a life others only dream of. You're going to want to take notes, so grab a pen and paper, and let's get started. Today's success interview is with author, speaker, and networking expert, Cami Baker. Through her coaching and events, Cami shares what she calls the new rule of networking, and I can't wait to find out more and to have her share that with us. She also has a book called Mingle to Millions that discusses both the art and science of building business relationships. I know that Cami has so much to share and I'm excited for today's conversation. Welcome, Cami. Well, thank you for having me. And might I say I am fabulous, fierce, and on fire because I had t-shirts made about it and everything. We are who we say we are, aren't we, Janelle? We are, and I love that. I love your energy, perspective, and outlook, and um, I think that often dictates the results. You know, I think that it is the only thing that dictates the results. You know, people ask me all the time, how do, you know, what do I say in this situation, Cami? What do I say in that situation? And I always say, that's great, and those are the skill sets, and we're going to get around to the skill sets, but skill sets only 10%, it's the mindset that's going to have you saying those words in a productive, informative, professional, profitable way. It is. Mindset is is so important. And I know we've got um, a lot to talk about today. I'd love to start our conversation by having you share just a, uh, just a brief overview about your business, kind of how it started and how it's evolved or evolving. Because um, I know you're, you're going through some exciting things. Because I like people to have a kind of a framework for um, what you've created. Well, I appreciate that, and I'll start out uh, with saying that, you know, I've got a lot of fun things going on with the book being out, going on book tour, um, you know, getting to speak all over the country in different places in the world, but, you know, Janelle, it, it wasn't always that way. About 17 years ago, I was broke as a joke. I was a single mother in a new part of the country. I had addiction issues and had made some really poor relationship choices, and um, basically was starting over again, and not only starting over, but in a new part of the country and, and, and broke and a single mom, just all that. And um, so, you know, there came a point where I, I jokingly say, but with all seriousness, I had to, had to put my big girl panties on and do something about it. If anything was going to change, it had to start with me. And so um, I ended up getting a, a, starting a new career, and um, without getting into a bunch of detail about that, any new career, any new area, any new endeavor, it's time to, to, to network, to get out and meet more people. And for me, it wasn't just about meeting more people. It was about meeting a, a higher quality 
of person as well. And so um, I, I just, just be just out of sheer necessity, out of sheer starvation and uh, survival mode, I went out and started meeting people, and I and I was really horribly bad at it at first. I I didn't have any people skills to speak of. I I was very tenacious and very aggressive um, because I was so hungry. But I burnt a lot of bridges and ruined a lot of relationships I could have had. But what happened was over time I was so tenacious and so um, so assertive that um, that I did start take I, I learned what it meant to, to get coached and mentored and I started reading books and I started going to con- to conferences and and I started to learn about body language and personality styles and and how to have professional conversations and you know fast forward a little bit in the to keep the story short I got involved in a business that required a lot a lot of networking and. Um, my business started to grow really fast, and the people on my team would ask me, well, how, how do you go to a, a meeting at 7 in the morning and have somebody want to be your business partner within 12 hours? We, just, we don't understand that. Can you help us? And so it was kind of a reluctant hero thing, if you will. I, I started teaching people one at a time in a coffee shop, and then I had 15 or 20 sitting on the couch and on the floor with a flip chart in my living room. And uh, then it went to stages with hundreds and then thousands of people teaching the skills of the science of building business relationships and mastering referrals. And, um, and so I like to say to people, you know, I am not extroverted. I'm introverted. And if, if I can go from addictions, moving across the country and not knowing a soul, being broke as a joke, living in a mobile home on food stamps, if I can go from, from there to being able to actually teach how to build business relationships, good God, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think so many people, that's why I love your story, because I think so many people think that they're, you know, not an extrovert, they don't know how to network, and they believe that you have to know how to do that, and you can't learn that skill. But it's really about being focused. It's really about understanding that there is something to learn. And I love the fact that you, you know, found coaches and mentors and really started learning from others, because I think that's so important. And you can build those skills. I'm an introvert. And when I tell people that they kind of look at me because I do a lot of networking, and I'm very involved with E-Women Network and connecting with people all over the world. And, but it's just really about surrounding yourself with the right people, asking the right questions, listening, realizing that you don't have to do all the talking, and really mm. just building those skills. And when you do, they are just priceless. There's no doubt about it, and I love what you just said about um, you know, listening more than talking. I say all the time, God gave us two ears and one mouth. Use them in proportion because people are so concerned about what am I going to say here and what do I say when I walk up to somebody and how do I do it? And it's like, well, you know, first of all, let's become a better listener than a better talker. Mm-hmm. But, but for people to get to that place, once again, we've got to circle all the way back around to the mindset because then they're, 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 they're too heady. They're in their head thinking about, you know, what people, what do people think of me? And, and what if I say the wrong thing? And what if I'm not accepted? And what if I look like I don't know what I'm talking about, et cetera, et cetera. So when we can work on our mindset and get to a place where we have posture, presence, 
when we package products with us and position ourselves in such a way that even we understand, you know, I don't, I don't have to, I, I, I call it Pavlov's dog. You know, we go into a networking event, ding, 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 the bell rings, dog salivates. We walk into a networking event, ding, 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 we walk around, what do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do? And then when, the, when somebody says, what do you do? Well, that's the ding, 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 but we feel like we've got to salivate and, and just blah, here's my 30-second elevator pitch. And I, I talk to my, my clients about, you know, let's take a deep breath, let's be centered, let's be aware, and let's not be the dog that has just because we were asked, what do you do? Let's be able to be more bold and have more interesting conversations that are meaningful and masterful and help to lead in such a way that, uh, that you can create those relationships that are the resources that lead to the revenue. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that the most successful connections that I've made were ones when I actually spoke very little And I used to think that I had to be thinking about the next response. But what I found was what I really had to do was listen to what they were saying. And then I could pick out those golden nuggets. I could really relate to the person I was talking to. And they felt heard and understood and validated. And I found that it really doesn't take that long to build a really good quality relationship if you're having a quality conversation. Well, I totally agree. And it's funny, the woman who was the publisher and editor of my book, she calls it the dirty 30, 30 second elevator pitch. You know, like you said, you listen to the person. And to be able to actually just listen to them so that when it is our turn to talk about, quote, what we do. So check this out. Big difference in walking up and somebody saying, so what do you do? That's one question. But when we've actually had some some meaningful conversation and five or ten minutes later they say this, so what is it you do anyway? Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, now we're in the sweet spot. Now they actually care what we do. Now they're actually listening and interested, and that's the place we want to be. Absolutely. I always tell people when they're making their introductions, all you've got to do is say something that someone wants to grab onto that's going to catch their attention. I think so often when people are doing their introductions, they're just pouring out their something they've memorized and when you do that you don't have any passion and and emotion in what you're sharing you're not really connected to it it's just words but when you're talking from the heart when you're really passionate about it people get that they want to lean in and they want more well and that's why i say the 30 second elevator pitch is dead because if it's something that you've rehearsed and rehearsed and you're saying it over and over this every person you meet, that doesn't even logically make sense. It doesn't, I don't even, like I can't even comprehend whoever thought that up because there's four distinct personality styles and we can all be any combination thereof and everybody has many different needs and wants and desires and dreams and goals and to think that one 30-second pitch is one is just pure insanity. And so I'm a big proponent of the pitch is dead. Now, do we need to be able to explain who we are to people? Of course we do. But we can have meaningful, masterful conversations without 
having the ding, 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 and the salivate action that happens. And, and you know, one of the things I talk about in my program, uh, I've got three pillars that I explain. It keeps it really, really simple in doing networking, which, by the way, I call netwebbing. I call it netwebbing now because just the word networking. I'm going to go to one of those networking things. It just is it's anxiety-ridden. It's fear-based. It's dread. It's... It's just all kinds of negative. There are very few people that are really excited about going to a networking thing. So I call it net webbing. We're building our net web, and there's a whole analogy behind that. But basically the, the three pillars are let's set the intention before we even go to the event so that we pay attention while we're at the event so that we create the retention of those resources, relationships, and revenue that we're looking for. And I've got many different ways of doing all three of those, but that just kind of lays out the, the philosophy that I have that most people are, when they go networking, they're wasting time because it's random activity. When we step into webbing, we are leveraging our time through a planned strategy. And I love that. Um, I, I love that going from intention to pay attention to retention because I think that's really important. We need to take a real quick break. And when we come back, I want to continue this conversation because I know you've got categories that you've shared with me that I love that kind of talk about the different people that are networking or web netwebbing when you're out there doing that. And then I also want to learn some more about your Mingle to Millions book. This is Janelle McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. Are you a coach, speaker, or author who would like to finally earn what you know you're worth? Would you like to create a life that gives you more time to do the things that you love? Entrepreneurs like you hire us to turn their knowledge into a full range of scalable products that earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live the life others only dream about. With our done-for-you approach, we do all the heavy lifting, creating the right products for you, your clients, and your business. The potential is limitless. If you want to leverage your time so you can earn more while working less, visit us today at TurnKnowledgeToProfit.com and find out just how far your knowledge can take you. You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network. Welcome back. This is Janelle McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. Our success interview today is with author, speaker, and networking expert, Cami Baker. Cami is the author of Mingle to Millions, and she really talks about the art and science of building business relationships, and she's got a unique approach to doing it. If you missed our conversation before the break, you want to go back and listen to it, and I love what she talked about, talking about you know, setting your intention paying attention, and that leading to retention, because I think it's important. People need to have goals when they're networking. They need to have just a real clear focus on who they want to meet and what they're trying to meet. Um, and I'd love to have you share, Cammy, Cammy, because we've talked about it um, before, about the different levels or the different types of people that are out networking. Because when you do it, it gave me a real clear sense of kind of the type of people we're meeting. 
Well, you know, over the years, I literally have been to thousands of events, and people find that hard to believe. But when you've been to literally four or five events in one day sometimes, I mean, when you're in a big city, you can go really early in the morning to late at night. So mm-hmm. believe me when I tell you I've been to a lot. And I see the same people over and over and over. And you will relate to these, as I'm sure all of our listeners will. There is the guy that is spraying his card. Man, he is taking the card and shoving it in the hand of anybody that will stand still. And if they're, if they're walking, he'll just put it in their, in their pocket of their shirt. He is spraying those cards everywhere. And as he is spraying them, it's really rather repulsive. People actually stop and say, well, who was that guy? Or what does he want me to do with this? Or I don't want that card. Or like, like when he walks away, the whole group is thinking, who was that? It's very <laughs> repulsive. So, so as he's spraying and praying, he is repulsing. And doesn't that sound a little bit like a skunk? Mm. So, so we've got the skunk personality out there. And the sad thing is he thinks he's done something. He, he handed out 30 or 40 cards, and he thinks he networked, but what he did was he wasted a good tree with, with that paper that he put in people's hands. Second kind of person is someone who's grabbing cards. They're grabbing cards from everybody. They're going along the tables, all the tables at the events, and grabbing a card off of every table. The little kitty that goes around in a, in a circle, they're grabbing a card out of there, a bunch of cards, and they're grab, grab, grabbing, throwing them away. They're keeping those cards for a rainy day or something. I don't know. They're going to wallpaper their bathroom with them, but they're not following <laughs> up with anybody. They're just, they're just grabbing and squirreling, so they're kind of like a squirrel. And then there's the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. There's the sharks in the room. When they walk, they shake your hand. The way that when you're talking to them, they're looking around the room like they're waiting for their next prey. They're the ones that are saying, what do you do? Okay, no, that's not interesting. They don't say it's not interesting, but they use their body language as they're looking around the room and just waiting for the next person. And if you don't show an indication that you're ready to buy their product, join their business, or sign a contract right this minute, you are of no use, and they're looking for the blood and the water. They're sharking. And I, I recognize all three of these because I have been each one, and I have been all three at one time. I've been in a room shoving my card all over the place and grabbing cards and sharking and aggressive and all that. It takes one to know one. So I get it, and I see them at every event almost every day of my life. They're out there. So if we don't want to be a skunk or a squirrel or a shark, what do we want to be? Well, imagine, if you will, our friend the spider. Now, if you think about a spider as she finds perfect location in a windowsill or a tree branch, she starts to put little connections. And as she is putting these connections, the connections get interwoven and they overlap. And she strategically places those connections all around until there is a beautiful web. In spider time, that's a couple of hours. In human being time, it might be a couple of years. But what she has done is she has created for herself this web And what does the spider do? The spider sits back and she waits for that which she wants to come to her. And in business talk, we might call that a referral. We might call that a relationship. We might call that revenue. Mm -hmm. So we, in the business world, when we're creating our net web, we can create that net web on the web. We can do it face-to-face, Facebook or phone. 
we, we can become the spider and create a web of connections with, with so many resources and so many relationships that it is inevitable that we are being connected, which is why you and I are doing this interview right now, is because in my net web, someone said, hey, you need to talk to this powerful person, you know, and now we're talking on the phone because net webbing works. It does. And, you know, as you're talking about the different personalities, I can envision people that do that. They're the people that pick up all the cards, and then you get these emails saying, it was great meeting you at this event. And they never met you. They never had a conversation, but I guess they figure that they're going to let you think they did. And the, the shark where you're having a conversation with someone and they're looking over your shoulder, they're looking for <laughs> the, the person they really want to talk to or the person they think they need to talk to, and they're not even listening to anything that you're saying. You feel like you're an inconvenience, and you're not mm. going to build relationships doing that. Mm-mm. Absolutely. And, and you, you almost, well, I would say you almost want to say, but I have to say I do say it, when somebody's doing that, and think about this too. I had one guy that was sharking me hardcore at an event a few months ago, and when I said something that let him know that I was not recruitable, I could see his eyes glaze over Janelle, just like when a shark is tearing into some meat and their eyes kind of glaze over. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I watched his body language as he tipped, he just absolutely dismissed me right in that moment. And I stopped talking, and I looked at him, and I said, Oh, no, you did not. Did you just totally dismiss me because I'm not a prospect anymore? I just watched you dismiss me. Oh, my God. It's like it's so – once you are – once you start noticing these things, it's so obvious, just like you're noticing them. And so for our listeners, the reason we want to notice these things is because, guys, we don't want to be like that. Don't be that shark. Don't be that squirrel. And the other thing about a squirrel is they grab all those nuts and then they go hide in their tree. See, that's what those people are doing. They're grabbing all of those cards and they're hiding behind the computer and sending everybody that email and trying to build their email list, but they're not doing it. They're card collecting, not business building. Absolutely. And one of the biggest things is people collect cards from people they've met and they say they're going to follow up and then they never do. It's amazing. We were at an event and got some leads for people being on our show. And it's amazing how even when we reached out to people, how few people actually followed up or proactively reached out. It's really amazing that people go to networking and they do all these things and then they miss the important part, which is the follow-up. Well, and what's really amazing about that is you have a way of broadcasting them and sharing them with your audience, and they still didn't follow up. I know. Like, I, I see that all the time. As a matter of fact, I have a creed. I'm going to say it right now. It takes about 15 seconds. I have my, 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 cus- my, my audience put their hand on their heart, and I say, I state your name, solemnly swear that I will never, ever, ask for another business card or contact information unless I have full intention of following up and I do it within a week because, and that's the end of the creed. And the thing is, is that if you are asking for a business card and you do not follow up, you have no integrity. You just told that person, you said, I want to talk to you. It's just I asking for a girl's phone number at a bar. He asked for her number. If he never calls, 
What does she think about him? What does she say to her friends? That jerk, that SOB, who does he think he has asked me for my number and he doesn't call? People may not say that on a conscious level all the time, but subconsciously you are just reaffirming over and over that you don't follow through, that you can't be a person of your word, that you don't have integrity. So the bottom line is, guys, let's stop. Look, just don't ask for the card if you're not going to follow up. It's very simple. Just don't ask for it. And if you get it in your hand, then you should follow up. And I'll tell people, listen, focus on the few. Focus on the few, not the masses. Because one of the reasons people don't follow up personally is because they get overwhelmed. They have mm-hmm. so many cards that it hides all good people. Absolutely. And it goes back to that set your intention pay attention, and that'll increase your retention. So mm. I think that's so important. So I know it's like our conversation is going so fast. Um, you've got your book, Mingle to Millions. So what can you share just in the last couple of minutes we have about um, that and what people really need to know to be successful? You know, in that book, I, I, I am embellish more on my story, which I think is really important that people know that you don't have to be born like this. You don't have to come out the chute just ready to talk and, and build business. It, it, it is a learned skill. A talent is something we're born with. The skill is something we acquire, and you can't acquire it. There's a lot of different stuff going back and cleaning up the wreckage of the past, meaning you got all these stacks of cards or contacts everywhere, and you haven't talked to them. What do you do with that? I talk a lot about um, you know, upping our game, upping our game. And, you know, one of the things that you and I have already touched upon at the beginning of this call was about, uh, you know, mentorship and coaching. I call it change your playgrounds and your playmates. Change your playgrounds and your playmates that, that you're hanging out with. When, when someone asks me, Cammie, what is the one piece of information, what is the one piece of advice you would give somebody if you had just one thing to say, I would say change your playgrounds and change your playmates, and that means that's way deeper than what a lot of people think. That means what are you listening to? Who are you talking with? Who are you getting information from? Are you reading? Are you reading or are you watching TV? And if you're watching, are you watching the Discovery Channel? Like, change all of your playgrounds, because when you change your playgrounds, you'll want better playgrounds from that. I I love that because it's really about learning. It's about thinking differently. And, you know, that's one thing that I always learn when I meet someone. I always feel that there's a reason I have met them, and it's my responsibility to find out what that is and what we have Mm. in common, whether they can help me or I can help them. Um, You know, we're we're connected with people for a reason, and so often people discount that and dismiss it, and that's where the real gold is. Mm -hmm. I I, I love what you said, you know. Why did I meet this person? What is... What is the universe telling me here? What am, I, what am I supposed to get? What am I supposed to give? What are we supposed to collaborate and create together? And some people are there for a, a reason. Some are there for a season. Some are there for a lifetime. But, you know, I, I feel that way too. You know, all this, even when something not so great happens, you know, we've got to have a breakdown, have a breakthrough. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I moved to another part of the country. My daughter was less than six months old, and I broke up with the man that I moved across the country to be with. 
And some would say, oh, that's so sad. Oh, he left you, or you didn't, it didn't work out, or you poor single mom. No. You know what? That breakdown led to my need fire and survival skill of having to learn how to network. As a matter of fact, if I was still with that man, I wouldn't be on the phone with you today, and I shudder at the life I would be living right now. Mm-hmm. So, so look at every, everything that happens as something to grow and learn from. I, amen. No, and I think that's a great way as we end our conversation because I think it's important for people to realize that just because something's happened, it doesn't have to define who you are. It it builds, you know, your character. It it shows that you've got strength, but it doesn't have to define your future. You can make your future whatever you want it to be. And I think so often people say, you know, it's just never going to happen. We can make happen whatever we set our intention to. Well, dare I say, whatever we set our intention to, we do make happen, good, bad, or indifferent. And my daughter is now 18 years old, 18 years later, you know, from, from my first little breakdown of the story, I tell her all the time, you know, you are the creator of your reality. Good, bad, or different, anything going on in your life, guess who created it? But Mm -hmm. the good news about that is if you've created something that you're not crazy about, when you take responsibility, Janelle, responsibility has been one of the biggest life-changing qualities or thought processes that I've had. When I take responsibility for everything, my addictions, my weight, what I put in my mouth, what I, what I put in my head, when I take, my, take the responsibility for that, then I also know, well, if I made myself gain weight, I can get myself back into shape. If I got myself drunk, I can get myself sober. If I got myself broke, guess who's going to get me in a beautiful financial situation? That would be me. I love that. And that's a great way to kind of end our conversation. So how can people connect with you and learn more about you and what you have to offer? Well, I've been CammieBaker.com for years and years and years, and you'll have the spelling there, I'm sure. CammieBaker.com will always be a resource, uh, which is my website. And, of course, I've got my Facebook and the Mingle page there where I do a ton of videos on uh, different tips. I'll be going through the day and something will happen that reminds me, oh, this is a networking tip or this is a relationship building skill or wow, that just happened. Let's share that. As a matter of fact, as you and I are talking, I'm going to hop off the phone and go do a Facebook Live based on some of the things that you and I talked about. So I really encourage people to go over and like Mingle to Millions on Facebook and watch some of the fun stuff. And I love that, and I've watched some of your videos, and I really like them because they're simple and they're easy to digest. It doesn't take a lot lot of time. You can get some really powerful tips very quickly, and we will have a link to your website and connecting with you on our Turn Knowledge to Profit um, podcast um, radio link, so I'm Thank well, you, and you if so you much. Put on there, if you want to actually put the link, cammybaker.com forward slash gift, um, they can get of a short uh, ebook that I have with the three mistakes entrepreneurs make that is repelling business. Perfect. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great conversation. Absolutely. I'm really grateful that we were put in contact and we wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for the worldwide net web. 
absolutely. We need to take another real quick break. And when we come back, it's our business builder. So stay tuned. This is Janelle McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. Are you a coach, speaker, or author who would like to finally earn what you know you're worth? Would you like to create a life that gives you more time to do the things that you love? Entrepreneurs like you hire us to turn their knowledge into a full range of scalable products that earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live the life others only dream about. With our done-for-you approach, we do all the heavy lifting, creating the right products for you, your clients, and your business. The potential is limitless. If you want to leverage your time so you can earn more while working less, visit us today at TurnKnowledgeToProfit.com and find out just how far your knowledge can take you. You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network. Welcome back. This is Michael McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. I'm here with Janelle, and in our Business Builder segment today, we're going to talk about when good enough is good enough for you. I'm really excited about this conversation because we hear it over and over again that people spend so much time trying to get it perfect, trying to do just a little bit more. And at some point, we have to ask the question, when is it good enough? Well, you know, absolutely. And I think that I've found one of the things that holds many coaches, speakers, and authors back is their drive for perfection. I know certainly it's one of my issues as well. And uh, you've likely heard that phrase or that uh, that quote that uh, we're often our own worst critics. And that that's absolutely the case. It's, you know, for me, when I'm creating something, it's it's always just, I have so many great ideas that it's kind, it's hard to just stop and and you always want it to be just a little better, just a little better, just a little better. And so, um, you know, that's a challenge. It's really a challenge for a lot of people. And um, it's something that you really need to work with. It's, you know, the question is the key, or the key is to know when it's time to stop creation and start offering. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because probably Gosh, I lose track of time, you know that, but probably what, 12 years or so ago when I was in my master's program and I had to write a paper and I know you kept saying, just 
turn it in, be done with it. And I kept rewriting it and rewriting it. And it had to be emailed to the professor by midnight. And if it was late after that, I got a one grade penalty. So I had to make the choice. Do I send it as it was or do I rewrite it and know the best I can do is get a B? And I pushed the send button and guess what? I got an A. And to me, that was the big aha moment of learning about good enough because I think you're absolutely right. We all keep thinking we got to do just a little bit more, a little bit more. And it's so important to get into action and don't let a little needing a little bit more put you in paralysis and not get into movement because it really is. So how do people know that the time is right? When do they when can they say it's good enough? Well, this is really the, the key because we're not talking here about lowering your quality standards. And that's really important for people to understand. It's not that you're willing to to put out something that's of low quality. Um, what we're really talking about here is is stepping back and coming to the realization that your gauge of high quality is likely much higher than everybody else's outside of you. Uh, and what I mean by that is we, we always, again, back to that, you, a lot of times that your own, we are our own worst critics. Um, you know, we'll pick apart and pick apart and pick apart a, a document or a presentation or a course or whatever it is. And um, most people wouldn't even notice that it was there. They wouldn't even notice that, that it could have been better. So it's really important to know when that time is. And there's a couple of secrets for knowing when it's the right time or when it's good enough. You know, first, the, the biggest uh, advice I could offer people is to make sure that you set clear objectives when you start the creation process. So you need to know what the end product will look like when you start. And that will really help you. If you know the audience you're gonna be uh, addressing, be it a, again, a book, a course, whatever it is, and you know what the key objectives you have are and what you want those uh, clients to walk away with and what knowledge you want them to walk away with, and then you keep that foremost in your mind as you're creating, Anything that doesn't support that vision then is not included. Um, the second thing is really, though, to keep track of those ideas you get. As I said earlier, I get lots and lots of ideas while I'm in the creation process. Um, and so what I like to do is I keep a written list of those ideas as I'm going along. So I'll just jot them down either in Word or Excel or, or just on a piece of paper but just write them down so you have all those ideas in one place. And then when you get to the point where you're ready to uh, implement, so you're ready to actually start offering, um, you, you take a look at that list and you say, well, are there any things on this list that really I have to include uh, or it won't be a complete product? Or are they just ideas for making it better? Um, and if you think about it, you know, every company goes through this, every product company goes through this issue. Um, if you look at the software world, they're always creating new uh, features, new functions, new things it'll do. And, and there's a very specific process that they follow to cut off development and release the product and then put the, the next enhancements 
into the next release. And so it's really important, I think, for people to use that process or some version of that process, uh, no matter what the, it is they're creating, not just software, but book, you know, again, writing a book, creating a course, creating a talk or a presentation, whatever it is that you, you set a very clear limit. And then when you get to that limit, you release, you go ahead and say, it's good enough. Let's go ahead and do it. And the reality is, you know, a lot of times you're going to learn a lot the first time you deliver it. And so a lot of things you didn't anticipate. So you're going to have a revision cycle anyway, after you've given it once or twice. Well, I think that's a really good point for people to remember that there is a revision cycle, that what sounds good on paper and looks great in application or the way people respond to it isn't always the same. And that's okay. It's kind of thinking on your feet. It's trying it a little bit differently. It's seeing what additional language do you need. I think that's really important for people to know. You know, and we all want to be seen as great. And I think we are our own worst critic because we think that if it doesn't have everything that we've spent years and years learning, that it's not exactly what someone needs. And we need to take a step back because they're just starting out at the beginning. They're not where we are. When, you know, I think you always use the example, you know, when you don't have a car, a basic car is just fine. You don't need a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. You just need something that's got four wheels that's going to get you where you need to go. So start at the beginning and just know that it's going to be great. The right people are going to be there and get it. Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of really important things that you just said. I mean, one is that the, the whole idea of uh, making sure you have the right amount so that if you're a beginning student, you're not going to get overwhelmed. And it's go back to the car analogy that, you know, if you don't have anything at all, and if a student's coming in or a client's coming in with nothing at all, um, you, you want to give them enough that they can make some improvements in their life or their business, but you don't want to give them so much that they're overwhelmed. And I know we've talked about overwhelming them uh, overwhelming clients in previous business builders. Um, and, and I can tell you in a, a number of years of, of doing this, I've never met a coach, uh, a speaker or an author that wanted to put too little in their offering. They always want to put too much, always, always. And so it's a matter of really cutting that back to what's really just essential and leaving the rest um, out. That's part of this good enough idea. It's, you know, it's good enough to get somebody started. Don't overwhelm them trying to, as you said, make it a Ferrari or a Lamborghini that most of us, if we got into and tried to drive, wouldn't have really, I mean, we might be able to do it a little bit, but there's so many electronic gadgets that, you know, we'd be lost. And that's the same thing for your clients is that if you give them all the gadgets and all the buttons and all the, the cap capability, they're going to get lost. It's all in all likelihood they're going to be lost. So it's important. You know, I think it's really important for people to ask themselves, what do I need to deliver and go back to, as you said in the beginning, really focus on what you're trying to accomplish, because I think that'll help you know how much to put into it, what to be doing and 
realize that you don't have to give them everything the first time out. And that doesn't mean that you're not delivering exactly what they need. If we give them too much, and we see it over and over again, people go into overwhelm. And when you go into overwhelm, you do nothing. And what you've just created becomes shelf help and not self-help that they really need to get the results that they're looking for. That's why they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you had your aha earlier when my aha was really, uh, I spent a lot of years doing corporate training and, uh, you know, week after week after week at different companies teaching uh, two and three day courses. And a number of times I got to the end of a course that I had taught and I was thinking to myself as I was sort of cleaning up the flip charts and putting everything away, I was thinking, wow, you know, that that was okay, but that wasn't really my best. I've done better. And yet when the evaluations came in, all the students would, would write on it. This is like the, one of the best courses I've ever had at this company. This is the most amazing course ever. And so that was my aha was that here I was again, my own worst critic critiquing on how that wasn't a good job that I had done. And yet my standards were so high that, that everybody in the course thought it was an amazing course. Um, so again, you know, it's, it's a matter of when is it good enough? And I think you need to figure out when that is for you, but just sort of recognize that, you know, things could always be better. And it's a matter of when do you cut it off and start offering it, start making money with it and start improving people's lives with it, as opposed to just trying to make it better. So I'm going to challenge all of our listeners to go to our Turn Knowledge to Profit radio page on Facebook and to share with us, how do you know when it's good enough? And if you're challenged with not getting into action of trying to make it perfect, let us know where you get stuck, because I think this is a really key conversation to have so that, as you said, Michael, you can actually get your work out there and start making a difference and changing lives. That's what it's all about. So remember, good enough, you've got to find what's good enough for you, but get your work out there and start making a difference. You know, this has really been a great conversation. I want to thank all of you for joining us today on Turn Knowledge to Profit. Again, I want to remind you to visit our Turn Knowledge to Profit page on Facebook and share your questions, your insights, and your ahas. And also share one action you're going to take in the next week to turn your knowledge into profit. If you have an idea for our future show, be sure to email me at michael at tk2p.com. That's michael at tk2p.com. Have a wonderful and profitable week. Turn knowledge to profit, where entrepreneurs like you find the insights, experience, and tools they need to earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live a life others only dream about. Join us each Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the EWN Radio Network. To download this week's show, listen to past shows, or learn how to be a guest on the show, visit TurnKnowledgeToProfit.com. Past shows are also available at EWNRadioNetwork.com and through iTunes and Stitcher. Until next time, remember, 
Great companies are built around great products. Leverage your knowledge to live the life of your dreams. Let's continue the conversation and turn your knowledge into profits.